or if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. God's purpose is that we also, as well as Christ, live a resurrected life. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over When one believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, they ask God to forgive their sin based on their faith in Jesus' atoning blood, then God fills that person with his Holy Spirit. This is new life. The Christian had been subject to sin before their transfiguration. But now they are born again. And because the Lord's inner presence remains in them, they are dead to their old, corrupted, sinful nature. The resurrected life is now enjoyed by the one who is truly born of God. See, the resurrected life is one that goes on. It's one that goes on believing. We're both mind and body continue to move toward where Jesus is. The resurrected life means newness of life. The resurrected life means I live for God because I am alive from the dead. The resurrected life means I am a slave unto God, where my fruit is holiness. And in the end, I receive everlasting life. This person is alive from the dead because they put their faith in the merits of Calvary's land. Not because of anything they have done themselves. The Christian is one who has decided to trust Jesus Christ with their life and the situations and circumstances surrounding their life. To be alive from the dead means that this person is one with God. And instead of walking in their own ways or in the way of the world, they walk in the ways of the Lord. It's simple. The Christian's life is delivered from the sin that used to hold them captive. They're no longer ashamed because they no longer do evil. They no longer live faithless lives. And they no longer live in rebellion against God. They now instead live to cultivate the fruits of holiness in their lives. Seen in them is the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. It's only when our ungodly nature remains dead that we remain spiritually alive. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if we want to remain alive from the dead, we must not obey sin's lust, but we must obey Christ. Amen? Amen. I, I so enjoy this. It really speaks to my soul. It took me nine to stand. Thank you enough for the, for the job that you do. Of course, you, I think, have figured out that there is a good baptism um, because she, I did, Sherry wanted to, to, she's just too sick to be here. And there's no sense of putting that kind of pressure 
on her. So that means that we, uh, and uh, with everything coming, so it'll be on, uh, on May 21st. And I, um, sitting there, was feeling like, you know what, Tiffany? I would like you to baptize me that day. That way I'll have it all covered. I have been baptized by <coughs> Grandpa about five times. <coughs> and I can be baptized by you too. Sure. And so it's just, for me, the feeling of just renewing what I believe and just saying again, I want all the sins to be forgiven by Jesus and I want to say that I'm a believer in Jesus. So it's just for me. So and if you see the bubbles, you help me. <laughs> I have to tell you this and I I think you'll think it's funny, but my father been um, going to Israel I believe seventeen times. He saw about every country there was, but he had so many wonderful experiences in the Jordan River. And of course, after you know all those years, um, you know people get smarter and they make it their um, the Israelites, and it's kind of cute. They made all the things better at the time. First, it was pretty rugged, then they built you know some bathhouses, and you, got, you could rent a robe and. And all these things, and put more fabulous steps down because it's, it was pretty difficult. And uh, but it became a wonderful place to be baptized. But my dad tells this story about there'd be sometimes that there'd be other groups baptizing, you know, in the same area. And sometimes uh, one of the pastors would want they see another pastor and say, "Hey, would you?" hold my Bible or hold my ritual while I do the donkey and so forth. And um, my dad would tell the story about how this one guy wanted my dad just to, you know, just hold his Bible uh, instead of helping him until one particular person wanted to be baptized. And uh, my dad, and he said, oh, I think it's your turn. I'll hold your book and, and the, the ritual book, and you go ahead. And my dad was kind of like, well, well, well. Sure. <laughs> um, this particular person weighed six or seven hundred pounds. So I'm only saying that to be funny, not to be a irreverent here. But he was a small little guy. Until this sister wanted to be baptized, this little preacher was like, I got it, buddy, don't worry, I, I got this down. But then all of a sudden he was like, uh, go for the hill. So that probably sounded unkind, but if you could hear my dad tell it, it was pretty funny. <laughs> and then there was a, I think her twin sister was up on the, up on somewhere, and, and this pastor said, Sister Bertha, you want to be baptized today? And my dad was going, <laughs> Please, Lord, help her. She said, No, I've been baptized. My dad said, He said out loud, Praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to listen to that. That's all right. But 
Teddy or was it just common? So, that's what Tiffany's going to think of her mom. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know, Pentecost is seven weeks after Easter. And it's the seventh Sunday, and it's June the 4th. And to me, that's one of the most, you know, uh, without Pentecost, What would we do without the Holy Spirit? And when Jesus said, I go away, it's for another to come. That Holy Spirit uh, is part of the Trinity. And his, his role in the life of us, I hope we'll understand what it means. That we cannot live without the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit on this earth, There is no power to keep the enemy from doing his job. And we, we need the Holy Spirit. And so that'll be a great day. We'll keep on talking about it. And we want to emphasize it. It's almost being as Easter too. So anyway, so today I'm talking um, again about some, some things of Easter. Because without Easter... We don't have, we don't have, if it hadn't been for, for, the, for, for the resurrection, Jesus going to Calvary was, was something that was, he gave his life, but if he hadn't have been resurrected, Calvary in some ways wouldn't have meant as much. So, Philippians 3.10 is some of where this is coming from. There is power in the gospel, amen? amen, to set people completely free from the destructive power of sin and to fill their lives with all the fullness of God. Now, that is a huge statement. There is power in the gospel. What is the gospel? The word of God, the spoken word of God, to completely free from the destructive power of sin and to fill their lives. That gospel includes the cross, the resurrection and the sending of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. All three are equally important for the believer to understand and experience. If I just quit there, that should give you quite to think about over and over and over and over again. As much as the cross has been a central theme for believers throughout the ages, without the resurrection, the cross is meaningless. That might sound harsh, but Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And so that was a that was that was, that's huge, and what he did and what it meant and, the, and how the stripes on Calvary can heal. But if he hadn't been rose from the dead, Satan would have had victory. If there were only the cross, sin would have won. And the Apostle Paul made it clear: if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. 
you are still in your sins, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. So there would have been all these miracles and all these things that we could have said, yes, he did this, so he can do it for me. But if he hadn't arose, well, what, it had been it had been another story. It, it would have been another good thought or this and that. And, but the other makes all the difference. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all of men the most pitiful. First Corinthians 15, 17, 19. The resurrection, however, is not a doctrine to be pondered, just an invitation to experience the living Christ in your life. If you don't appropriate all that God is providing through you, through the resurrection, it is no value to your life. None. You can go to church, you can sing those little songs and do all good about Easter morning and yes, this and that and the Bible says but if you don't absorb it live it, know it breathe it, go over it listen to it, breathe it know it it's no bad to want more than gain knowledge of the resurrection we need to experience the resurrection in our daily walk. See, every day brings new dimensions of life, new experiences, new turmoils, and take a word for it, as close as we get to, as close as we get to the Lord coming back, we're going to deal with more and more and more and more and more. And I have said many times to my daughter and to other people, please, God, don't bring any more because I don't know how I'm going to survive. I will survive it because Jesus, I won't never let go of you. But that doesn't mean that I don't feel scared or get discouraged or have moments of all kinds of feelings. So I can't just go, you know, wait for next Easter and, and, and live it up that day. I got to every single moment of the day experience that resurrection with the risen Christ. Have you ever, you know, felt great one minute and, and so many minutes later you don't feel as great? We're emotional people, life circumstances. And so I can be in that last week, I can be riding on, on, on something God did great for my life. And, and then you get a letter from the IRS, which I got this week. And last week's blessings kind of went right down the old sheet. Three hours on the phone with the IRS telling me I owe money from 2014 for the craziest things I ever heard of in my entire life and need to now get paperwork so I can so they can have it so maybe they'll take this off my record. And I just didn't like that. And it has got me all rattled. So I got so you pray that I find all these papers and this and that and that and this or I'll be in IRSG. 
The word know is more than head knowledge. I can, you know, I've heard people who aren't very godly people who know Bible scriptures, but that doesn't mean that you know. And so I can have this knowledge, but but experience, experiential, and, and it touches every part of my life. If you watch the life of the average Christian, you'll see little or no evidence of this incredible resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead. If we have more people sitting in the pews who knew this incredible resurrection power, who lived this resurrection power, who breathed it, who fell but got back up and read it again, who fell and got back up and read it again, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in. Not that it that we can control prophecy, but we would have our churches full. We wouldn't be afraid to pray out loud. We wouldn't be afraid to pray and witness and talk about Jesus. And we wouldn't have had a lady in the 60s take prayer out of church because the Christians would have rose up and said, no way. The werewolf. Consider the encouragement about the resurrection that Paul gave to the church in Ephesus as he offered his prayer to them. Turn to me, uh, turn to me. <laughs> turn to Ephesians, first, first chapter, 17 through 23. Ephesians 1. Keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance for the saints and his comparably great power for us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion every title that can be given not only in the present age but also in the one to come and God placed all things under his feet amen and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is the body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way and I encourage you to read that over and over and over this week the resurrection power which we've said many times, that raised Christ from the dead, then seated him at the right hand of the Father and put over all 
principalities and powers is the same power given to us. I have to tell you, that's bigger than me. <clears throat> to think that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is in me. That means that fear needs to bend. That means that all this stuff that happens, that when I get all shook up and I don't know where to, what to do and I get, I get consumed with fear, I can say, fear, you have no place. My Jesus is able to keep me and will deliver me and take care of anything, even if it is the IRS. So should that make a difference in our lives? If I know that I have a power within me? I mean, would all of a sudden I feel like during hardly, there's nothing I can't handle? I know preachers, I know people. I mean, my dad, you know, uh, he laid hands on more automobiles. He was an automobile healer. <laughs> he could have healed your friend. He would have had faith. And there was many times he'd be at a meeting with some other pastors, and one would have to leave because he had someone at the hospital that was sick, surgery, and he said, I gotta go, and they'd go out, and the car wouldn't start. And my dad would go out there and lay hands on that car in the name of Jesus, this servant of yours has got to get to the hospital, and I'm expecting the car to start. And he'd say, get in, start it again. And there would go right up. Because my dad believed in that power of the resurrection. And I didn't heal my, my, um, guinea pig <laughs> when I gave it a, an afternoon um, sitting outside and it rained and he got pneumonia in the fourth grade. He gave his best prayer. Maybe it was just God's will. I'm kidding about all that. But anyway. But that I guess that guinea pig didn't have any souls to save or go to the hospital that day <laughs> in his little car. So should we be afraid of spiritual warfare? Is there anything we cannot overcome if we're walking with Christ? Now, you know i got to take that, that vitamin shot pill every day on that. There's times that i got that so absorbed in my system that I'm telling you, I'm just like bringing on bad devils. I am not escaping. Then one comes over and asks me if I come out and play, and I shut the door and I'm shaking inside. So I have to build myself up with that. I have to walk it. I have to talk it out loud. There's nothing that can, you know, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this, and his power is over my own and over our lives. And so I got to continually absorb it. So listen carefully. The battle is won. Don't believe Satan's lies that we have to do battle with him. Simply tell him, excuse me, sorry to bother you, 
You've already been defeated. When you become a Christian, you're set in a wholly different dimension in which you can see what others can't. I like that. That's why every time I pray, our eyes are open, our ears are open, our hearts are open. Because you know why? I've seen a whole bunch of things that other people haven't seen. I, I, I'm not saying about me, okay? Like, me, me, me. I'm saying, I've seen angels. I've seen angels. I've seen a couple stand in that corner right over there as tall as the ceiling. I told Judy one time on an Easter or something, I said, there's an angel over there. Go right there to right yonder. I've seen things. I've heard things. I've heard God say, don't go there. I want to. Because I want to walk with him where I can hear that. But the people of the police, you know why we're always talking about things and people don't get it? Because they don't know it. And it's not because, boy, I'm so awesome. You're awesome. And that same power is in you if you want it. And I want to know when I need to go to someone's house. And they say, I needed someone. I want to know when I need to call uh, Margaret because Margaret's so pitiful at that moment she needed a phone call. I want to see things. I want to know when I shouldn't go into a store because there's demonic spirits in there. I want to know. But the world doesn't. And they can't see. And so when you become a Christian... You're in a different dimension. As Jesus told the disciples, it has been given to you to know the mysteries of God. That's why Revelation isn't hard to read for all the people that say, oh, I don't understand the word. God will show you every word he has. Why would he ever want his word to, for you, you read and go, I don't have it idea what any of that said. Now wouldn't that be crazy for the Lord to get us his book and, and for our roadmap and, and we don't even know which way we're supposed to turn? See, we got to go a little farther. We just don't go, okay, God. Uh-huh. He wants us to know. See, I can't be victorious over my life no matter what comes my way. I, 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 can't, I can't make it. And until, unless I really understand how to bake the cake properly. But to them it has not been given. If you have been given ability to understand the mysteries of God, you're, are you using your spiritual senses to detect the Or do you act like the world, ignoring God until you need him? It's amazing how people need God at critical times, but don't need him at all. And so, ignoring God until you need him to bail you out of a crisis, you need to know that God is doing and then make whatever adjustments is needed to participate 
in his redemptive activity. See, sometimes I'm not doing things quite right. God's got to fix Sometimes he didn't like my attitude. Sometimes he didn't like how I'm addressing things. Or sometimes he, he's helping me not feel so sad or negative or troubled. And, and, and he's got to work with me. <coughs> but I know that and I'm aware that not everything I do and think is God. And sometimes it's not because I'm bad, but because I'm human and, and, and it gets overwhelming. And so God's always kind of kind of washing me, giving me those spit shines that our mother used to give us. And, and saying, yeah, it's okay, it's okay. And dusting us off and gutting things like my dad would say, I'm just trying to help you. And he, and he says, why don't you do it that way? And, and so we need to know what God is doing and then make those adjustments. As a Christian, you're to be a witness for Christ, a visible demonstration of every truth God has said. It has meant the world to me before. Matter of fact, it's been it's been it's been long. Sometimes I felt so down and so destroyed, and somebody just said. Vacated. <coughs> and maybe sometimes we don't know where we answer because we've not been through that circumstance. But we can say, I, I don't really know what you feel. I don't really know, but I know what it's like to hurt. And, and I just want to tell you that I care about it. I know Jesus cares about it, and he'll help you. But who will do it if we go? And all the time, somebody was there for you, who called you and held your hand and dusted you off and put a washcloth on your face and tried to pull you down. And your sweet old mamas, you know how they did things for us that, you know, put all that stuff on our chest and made us breathe and drink stuff we didn't like. But didn't it make a difference to know they just but we can't wait on the preacher or the teacher or the deacon or whoever to minister to the person. You might be the only chance that person has to have some time to with you. You don't know how many times I can count and it'll take me a while. All the funerals that I've conducted for people who talked to their loved ones on the phone seconds, minutes before they took their last breath. On their way home, why to talk to their husband and what are you going to fix for dinner, blah, blah, and then the next call with something completely different. And what we give to each other is What we say could be what makes the person I told you the story and I'll end with this one more word. After
after Joe Johnson died, I was 45 years old, and had a lot of things that were going on in my life that I'd never been through, didn't know how to do it. One night at 7.30, I went up to my bedroom to lay down. I was mentally deranged. I laid down because I was in such pain in my mind, I didn't know what else to do. And I laid down and I talked out loud. And, to, and, I, and at that moment, I didn't really care about living anymore. And I had already said to myself, I had left Tiffany enough money um, with um, insurance and so forth that she would be fine. Just didn't want to go home. I don't know exactly what I thought I would do or etc., but I was in such a place that I felt I couldn't handle the pain anymore. And so at 7:32, a friend of mine that I knew from grade school called me and said, Candy. The Lord has just spoken to me that you're in a deep place and you needed me. And I called, what can I do? For three hours, she sang about every time, preached about ten sermons, and gave me enough scriptures. And sometimes sang the same song that sang they did. And she saved my life. Because she was obedient to the Holy Spirit. See, she could have washed her car. She could have done some clothing. She had um, a dog, um, a huge dog business where she breeded huge newfoundlands. And I'm sure they needed something. My friend knew enough about Jesus to know that when that feeling comes on you, that's Jesus, the Holy Spirit, saying, someone needs you. We've got to make that decision to follow him. Now, I believe that God would have saved me some way or another, so I could be standing here. But praise God for everything that Luann knew in her soul to say to me that changed everything around her. She said, I made anything. And I said, no. She said, get out of bed, go downstairs and eat something, trust God, and go on. And I got out of that bed, went and looked in my refrigerator and ate it all. But because someone who knew Jesus stood up to me. Stephanie many times has put scriptures behind my bedroom door on the other side. The whole door. So I would read and I could rely on them. And she sat by my bed more than I've sat by her, says her mother, and had read, read, read scriptures to me and prayed and told me that we'd made. 
pray to God for this whole show. It's cured enough to write about 50 scriptures down on these note cards. So every time I open my door, the word of God is there is someone in your life that is waiting for you to show them the resurrection. And if you know Jesus as your personal Savior, and you made that 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 call that day. He said, I, I take you as my personal Savior and I believe in the cross and your resurrection. What are we doing? We've got to tell the world about this. And so you're to be a witness. And let me tell you this. You can tell me that you're scared and you're afraid and you don't know enough about the Bible. I know what it's like to be afraid. Believe it or not, there's things I'm afraid of. There's, there's situations I'm not as courageous as you might think. But you know who helps me? Jesus. Do you know how many times I've done it afraid? Jesus. Because when somebody's laying on the side of the road and they need help, and I know Jesus, it's my duty to go and help them. And if you haven't, there might be a day that somebody doesn't come and help you. But Jesus gives us the strength. See, fear isn't of the Lord. And if you're afraid, the devil has that over you. I'm going to tell you point blank. You've allowed him to have dominion over your fears. And in the name of Jesus, you think that, that was his, that's his plan for you to be afraid? No. You might be afraid of the good man or, or, or a bear that's going to eat you. All right. But he didn't want you to be afraid to spread the word and to be an example. So you know what you do? You start out afraid. And you say, Lord, this is going to not be very good. And I don't know how to do it. But give me the strength to do it anyway. And God will give you the strength to live the resurrection power and to overcome and, and to grow and to become a giant for Jesus. I promise you. So when you're afraid, do it anyway, George said. Right? All right. Time to I spanked you because I love you and because Jesus wants you to know the And so you've got to be this so in close. But the religious culture in which we live encourages us just as to practice religious activities. As a result, we misunderstand our relationship with God and miss out on experiencing his power. The enemy doesn't want you to know the power. He wants us to think that we're defeated and, and that it's the problem is bigger than us. But if he can bring the paper to the refrigerator, He's going to help me find all this stupid paperwork I got to find for the IRS. I thought, you just 
My God is greater than all of that. He is more efficient, sufficient to keep me in all situations and in all problems. And he will see me through only. So if I ever call you and I say, I got a problem, I want you to tell me what Jesus can do for me. Say, just a second, I'll be right back. Go get your iPad and go, if somebody asks this question, what would be the best for <laughs> Okay, just a second, hold on. Just give me John 3, 16, if that's all you know. That would be the power to help you, right? So praise God for the resurrection. We're going to keep on talking about the things that come after the resurrection and how Jesus was there for the days. And how he fixed a great breakfast for his disciples that would go out and tell the rest of the world so we would know. You talk about 12 who didn't know what they were doing. They did it. Praise God. Amen. Glory be to the resurrection. All right.